Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. Today is going to be a fun day, everyone, friends. Let's all say hello to Amanda, who just took a sip of water. I have the worst timing. That's okay. Hi, everyone. <laughs> We're going to do uh, an essential question workshop. We did one was the first one that we did last summer. Last summer. Stop. Mm-hmm. It's been at least six years since last summer. So. Oh, my God. Honest to God. Yeah, like so much gray hair that I have now the past 12 months have been insane. So for those of you who are newer to the podcast or just don't know what we're talking about, last summer, the summer of 2020, Amanda and I workshopped some essential questions for a course that I was going to be newly back into teaching for an 11th grade American literature course. And today we're going to do the same thing for a 12th grade literature course, which in my district is called World Literature, which is just so vague. And it's very open and loose. And I'm really excited to dive in because if you guys don't know this, Amanda has, she's very good at many things and she is excellent at writing and thinking through essential questions. And so this is basically just a very selfish, we're going to do my, <laughs> we're going to do my plan for I, my course. You know, and I, for those of you who, I mean, I thank you for the accolades, Miss Marie, but you're welcome. I, I have to say that I haven't always been good. And the essential question writing process is so much more enjoyable when you're starting to do it with someone that you trust and 100%. you can be yes. vulnerable. Cause I'm, I mean, this is kind of crazy to be doing this live. I mean, I have had maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes of heads up 
on this topic and what Marie's about to do. So basically, friends, we were talking on the phone this morning. I'm still in my pajamas. Like, it's that kind of a day. It's raw. And I was like, hey, do you remember what we're recording today? And she was like, yep. And I was like, okay, so let me take the kids to my my mom's real fast, and then I'll call you in the car. And then I'm just like, yes, she's got 20 minutes of prep time. And I was just like spilling out. This is what I've taught before. How can we connect this? <laughs> and and that's, I think, exactly what we're doing this very similarly to last year because yes. I think so many of you found it helpful to hear us fumble along the way while trying to get to the right combination of words to form the question. Because if you can't be vulnerable in this process and say the bad ideas out loud, you're never going to get to that essential question that you're hoping to get to that sweet spot that just feels right. Absolutely. Also, even if you feel like this is the most amazing essential question, Marie still has to actually go try it with children, right? (laughs) All of that changes when you put it in front of real humans and start to really just work out the kinks. Like I've had essential questions where just a couple of words were enough to throw off the question and made it irritating to bring up over and over again. You know what I mean? So this yeah, is going to well, be Yeah. When it feels like you're pulling teeth, you're like, that wasn't the right one. It felt right at the time. And then it was wrong in front of kids. Why did I do yeah. that? Well, and like Amanda was saying, collaborating with somebody who you know is good at what they do and collaborating with somebody who you trust is key to finding these types of breakthroughs in like yeah. your teaching practice and the art yep. of curriculum design and all of that. Like I can write an essential question. Sure. Not, I'm not the best when it comes to writing them for myself. I'm just not. And so that's where my, that's where my dear friend Amanda comes in. So I think I'm ready to dive in. I've got a pencil. I've got a piece of paper ready to rock and roll friends at home. If you want to pause us and do the same thing, please, by the way, we're just going to give a blanket disclaimer. You can totally use whatever we talk about here. (laughs) If we're putting it on the podcast, this curriculum is fair game. Go for it. And guess what's next? (gasps) Cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, a podcast for educators challenging the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a high school English teacher in Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm also a high school English teacher in Southern California. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Okay, friends, I am going to start us off here with a rundown of what the course has looked like. Mind you, this 12th grade course, I have taught this multiple times in the past. We were on a semester system. I was still in my mid-20s. Here I am now in my later 30s, and I've taught this course that I'm about to describe to you very loosey-goosey twice, and one of the times was the spring of 2020. So really just once all everyone's favorite semester. Yeah. And and it was like one of those courses that I was like, I'm just going to throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks and see what happens here. So we have a lot, two nine week quarters. If you've listened to our episodes about Shakespeare that we did in the spring of 2021, we'll link them in the show notes. The one where I run through my Hamlet and Macbeth unit where I teach both plays was created for this course. Also, I do a lot of work on literary lenses because we're 12th grade. This is a college prep course, you know, a lot of like moving on to four-year university, but also just like critical thinking. 
I've done a whole uh, relationships unit here. Like what are the factors or what were the relationships that make us who we are basically? Like what are the ingredients to personality when it comes to interpersonal relationships? Obviously, I do choice novels. If you know anything about me, you know that my major units in my class uh, revolve around choice and choice novels. We do some hero's journey situation. And we've done a really cool like choice podcast unit. I say we because my good friend and I wrote a choice podcast unit that we like slapped together really during the pandemic. But then I've used again and it works really nicely. So anybody who's done curriculum rehab with us is like, what the hell gobbledygook does she describing? This predates us creating curriculum rehab, but it also is part of the process that we talk through in curriculum rehab. It's a lot of just like this course specifically was a lot of like me seeing what I used to teach, you know, 10 years ago. And then what I enjoyed, what I know the kids then enjoyed, but we all know that kids 10, 12 years ago are not kids today. They do not enjoy the same content necessarily, or they enjoy it in different ways. Enjoy, I mean, engage with. And so now that I'm done floundering. Okay. So this is where essential questions come to rescue. So I think people who are listening hear Marie and they don't think, oh my God, Marie, get it together. They think, oh my God, Marie, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Same. (laughs) Right. Okay. So I think most of us are in the boat of, I have a lot of things I like. I have some themes in mind. There's a course title, but what it sounds like you're lacking is something cohesive that's going to make everything cognitively, conceptually, string together in a meaningful way. Is that and the hard part I would say, and I think that uh, I think that listeners will resonate like this will re- resonate with them. The hard part for me, of not being able to do this for myself, but I could totally do it for somebody else is I can see specific kids in my class. I can think of things that they would say because I've known them. Right. And like, because it's mine, I'm too close to it. Yeah. So like, I need that extra, like, if this is also that push in the direction of find that friend in your PLC, find that online, whoever that can help you walk through this stuff. And Amanda and I are available in different ways, which we can talk about later. But like, Amanda is going to be my mirror here. (laughs) Well, and I think so when we get started with essential questions, we're going to just assume today for this episode that you all already have bought into the power that they hold. I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you to ditch your novel-based units, your theme-based units, and your skill-based units to jump on the EQ train. I'm guessing that you're already there. So when we're going to start writing essential questions, Marie has given me a lot of this, but just so that you all hear it like laid out, I'm looking for a trifecta. There are three overlapping sometimes one piece is more important than the other components. So I'm not listing these in any particular order, um, but I would say that texts, themes, and skills are what need to overlap into an essential question, right? Like in the past, I think one of those three has been the driving force of a unit. And we're positing that actually in a, a question should drive the unit. And those three components are going to help us write that question. So Marie, you've already kind of talked a little bit about theme. You've given me a list of some texts you've used before, and you've also talked about skills. You've talked about lenses. You've talked about humanity, heroes, villains, any other like thematic things that you're hoping to get out of this semester or the course? So since they are seniors and you and I talked about this a little bit on the phone before, and then we were like, we could just have to start recording. I want the whole overarching thing to help students 
start to find ways to recognize their own, to recognize who they are, their good, bad, and ugly, right? Like parts of themselves and to be able to, I feel like a lot of times where I have gone wrong in the past, especially with senior work is it's being like, who do you want to be rather than who you are Yeah, and recognizing who you are, what parts of you are like getting to know yourself instead of creating somebody new. And obviously I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I'm not, that's not my role here, but in connecting with characters and in connecting with literature and literary themes, that's reflection. Like you, you got to get students to reflect. And so prompting reflection in getting to know who they already are and recognizing and giving themselves grace is something that I want to help them do through recognizing characters. And so one of the things I've talked about is I really like the idea of having a whole quarter on monsters and villains and like flipping perspectives there. And then a whole quarter on heroes and flipping perspectives there. I didn't answer your question. No, you absolutely did. And so here's my (laughs) next question, which we've sort of talked through, but we'll kind of talk through with our audience here. How important is the title world literature in terms of all of this, right? So like when I, when I hear world lit, my gut is not going to what you're describing right. and that's okay. And that's okay. Like that's, it's just, it's just a title. So how important is that to you and your school and all of that? So since the title is on the transcript and in the course description, right? The approved course description, essentially the part that we can extract from that is that it's varying perspectives that make it different from American lit from 11th grade. It needs to be broader than the U.S. or broader than American perspectives. It needs to be a global world perspective, the opportunity to see other parts of the world. Oh, there's another unit I didn't tell you about that is really cool. It's a fairy tale unit where we do research and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Yep. Yep. It's a mess. It's a good, it's a very pretty awesome mess. Okay. So, okay. Okay. So this is, this is something else I think is really important that you just brought up. Having a course called World Lit or American Lit is pretty useless, right? Like 100%. Just, yes. The title alone invokes zero curiosity, inquiry, or inspiration, even on the teacher's end. Like, I don't understand why we continually <laughs> do this because uh, even American Lit, we teach it across the America, uh, across the America, across the United States. 11th grade is American Lit. But my question is like, so what's the point? It's too much. It's just, for me, it's too big. And, well, like and if, then you get world lit, which is like, okay. Right. So. If American is too big, world is like, I'm going to go crawl in a hole and I'll be there for a few days. Like it's well, too big. <laughs> well, and so, so what's up, what ends up happening is that these courses become survey courses in right. famous names, canonical works. And that's kind of gets us back into some of the problems that we're facing right now is we're wondering how to fit in conversations about social justice rather than starting with the crisis or starting with what's really powerful. Now we're trying to go through, you know, the Salem witch trials all the way till, you know, Gatsby. And we're like, Oh, that's American lit. It's, it's witch trials and, you know, fancy cars in the twenties. And like, what, like what has actually gotten out of that other than, a list of texts that fall under the title of America or world. 
This episode is brought to you by Curriculum Rehab by us, the team here at Brave New Teaching. It is the first and only teacher PD of its kind, a course to help teachers like you by guiding you through creating your own personal framework for curriculum. You make it work for you, your students, and your unique situation because nobody else knows what the kiddos in your classroom need the way that you do. Curriculum Rehab takes all of the resources available to you, all of the lessons, the assessments, the activities, all of the texts, everything that could possibly be there for you, and it helps you organize what you actually need in order to attain your teaching objectives. These are the strategies that Amanda and myself have used in our own classrooms, have developed over very long years of teaching and figuring things out combined together to create this framework and these strategies that we can guide you through. This course will give you the tools you need for a complete curriculum overhaul or to start from scratch. Wherever you are on that continuum, it does it all for you and with you on your timeline. So start today, do a little bit more in a couple of months, and then pick it up next summer. It's Teacher PD the way it should be on your own time. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash course for more information, or just head to the show notes for this episode. We cannot wait to see you there. It's finally time to take control of what goes on in your own classroom and create the curriculum of your dreams. All right, let's get back into the show. So a couple of things I've jotted down here that I'm going to talk us through. An essential question I think really needs to hinge on some conceptual terminology, right? Like we need to have something like who will I be is like way too empty. So I'm thinking about when you talk about world, I'm brainstorming some synonyms for world that could work in a question like humanity, um, universal, um, those things are sticking out to me because that's also going to tie into your heroes and villains thing. And then also I'm thinking about the verb or the movement in the question would be something, something maybe about trajectory, right? <laughs> that could, or, right. So the trajectory of humankind The you know, um, what about something like the fate of humanity? Like what will determine the fate of humanity or, or even better, if you really want to get narrow, what about will the fate of humanity be determined by heroes or villains? Uh, right. Okay. I'm going to say that again. Cause maybe, maybe we're onto something. I think will, we are. Okay. Well, yeah, say it. Okay. I'm going to say it one more time. Will the fate of humanity or will the trajectory of humanity like fate be determined by the heroes or the villains. Now we could back up and we could say that who will determine the fate of humanity like that. You could do that if you really wanted to, but what's cool about heroes or villains is if you're going to kind of go back and forth. Yeah. Kids are going to keep changing their minds and there are lots of texts you can use to challenge every layer of their understanding of that question. Yes. And it's just, I mean, timely, like we're in a global pandemic where you absolutely affect your neighbor. <laughs> like, and it's also um, a literary kind of question, right? So like, I think the world that sometimes can, to me, feel like it's got to be very nonfiction-y, you know, you want to kind of get that's into like- so funny because I'm in the complete opposite. I have to like remind myself to bring in nonfiction and it's almost always supplemental. Well, that's fine too. That's just funny. Like how differently we can even hear the same thing. 
I, I, yeah, because I, I, I guess my gut goes right to global issues, right? I think about global warming, the pandemic. I think about like what the reality is of us facing things as a globe. But the reality is the people Humanity. who are handling all of yeah. these situations and the generations that are going to make up the responses to those, you know, yeah. <laughs> to those issues. And I think going with heroes and villains is that humanity part. And I don't know. I think there's a pretty strong case for villains. If you ask me, I don't think that it's well. And I think, I mean, like in my, in my humble opinion, like very few are one or the other. Amen. Like 1% or one or the other and the other 99 are in the middle. So that's exactly what makes it good then. Because isn't, isn't that like one of the biggest struggles that we're even facing is everyone feels like they're one or the other. Right. For example, I posted on 4th of July, you know, I think a lot about, you know, you guys know we're based in the U S and I think one of the biggest problems we're facing in the U S is we're struggling to identify as a nation as both. We have done brilliantly heroic, amazing, innovative things as a country. There's no denying that we've also done atrocious, unforgivable things that we don't want to admit. And like, that is, you know, one of the things that I think school is for is the reckoning of the gray area and being comfortable, even kids just being comfortable. Finding skills in the gray. Yes. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and, and admitting that and not, and not feeling like, you know, we put them on a scale of perfection of a through F. I mean, that's on us, right? Oh yeah. And I think that that, that would be very, very powerful for 12th grade. How are you feeling about that question? I really like it. So what I've done is I've created on my paper while you were talking a t-chart because I like to do like a quarter. I don't know. I just feel like if we're going to give it a, or then it's like a clear cut, here's one quarter, here's the other, obviously with some like mentioning here and there, but so like, I mean, it works perfectly with things I already have. That's the other thing too, is I like to like recycle. Like that's one of the things we like to talk about a lot is like, what do you have and how can that fit with what you've, what you're creating? So I've got my wonderful Hamlet Macbeth unit that I know it's, it's a monsters unit. So the question is, are monsters born or made? Could be our villains born or made or whatever. whatever. Yeah. I think both of these deserve a definition question. Yep. Both of these quarters oh. Okay, to clarify what we're doing right now. So we teach in the way that has an overarching essential question, whether that's course-wide or like quarter or semester. You know, if you have a two-semester course, maybe it's like, maybe they're different. Maybe they're, I like to have one overarching course-wide question, which I know Amanda does too. And then my nine-week quarters will be split up kind of thematically with smaller unit questions. So my unit questions are things like, what is a villain? Mm-hmm. Boom. I like a definition. What is a hero? Boom. Are monsters born or made? I could just go with those two, TBH. I mean, yeah, you could. And actually, I could do both with heroes. Yes, you could. The other layer I'm starting to like get out of this too. Yeah. Is especially for 12th grade. It, and it, maybe this isn't an, isn't an EQ, but it's kind of at the at the back end of the text that you teach is asking a question about perspective. To what extent does it matter who's telling the story, right? Does it yeah, matter? Yeah. Right? Because I think we can look at one person and tell two different, three different, four different stories about that person and qualify them as a hero or a villain. It's the same. So there's there's one, speaking of the workshop we did last 
summer for American Lit, one of the questions that we came up with has to do with how do I know what's truth? Yep. Yes. And so it's all about perspective. So maybe it's like, it's like a who says kind of a question. But I think that that's, I think to what you're saying, like that's layered into. Yeah, I think those are discussion questions. I think that's how you... I think, well, because one of the things that I'm going to put up in my room is going to be questions that matter about every text, like who's telling the story and who's left out, like whose voice are we missing? Who's missing from the yep. story? Yep. What What about asking your kids, what do we call someone who's neither a, hil- a, a Helen, a hero, nor a villain? I think uh, you just found it, Amanda. Thanks for answering <laughs> your own story. Benefer. Uh- <laughs> totally dating myself with that reference but are you they're back i mean they're back it's fine i'm not over it yet so there's there's somewhere to start and i think for those of you who are listening this might feel kind of crazy but i want (laughs) you just for a second i'm gonna i'm gonna back up i want you to picture two different courses course number one world lit course number two will the fate of humanity be determined by the heroes or the villains which course do you want to take? What do you, what do you want to be in? I mean, what course do you want to be in? I mean, the fact that we just asked one question, which is maybe not finished. Maybe it's not going to be Marie's final draft, but I don't know. Curiosity but curiosity and the conversation <laughs> and the percolation going on is like, it's just all we did was take your text that you're already using, the themes that you already care about and want to touch on and the skills. Like, obviously we're already talking about lenses big time here, perspective. We're talking about all, you're talking about all kinds of literary things. All we did was write a question. It transforms your course and it creates buy-in. How are your kids going to be disengaged from, from that question? I mean, they, (laughs) some of them will find a way. Let's, they'll find a way. I just wrote who determines what is right. Okay. Or something like that. Yeah. I think that that is somewhere layered into both of these. And Okay. So here's the other thing too. Like it almost feels too easy, right? Because it's so simple, but that simplicity is key because as we preach often students, human beings, but students thrive on predictability and routine and knowing what's coming. So if I can spend a quarter talking about, I don't know if I'm going to do heroes or villains first, it doesn't really matter. Nope. Talking about probably whichever one has fewer texts so I can do a big fat summative at the end. That one will be second, right? (laughs) Uh, So now I need to look through my course stuff and see what I already have because uh, mama doesn't have a budget for new texts. But like if both quarters have a definition first, what is villain? And then our monsters born or made or villains born or made. And then heroes, what is a hero? Our heroes born or made, right? Like then you've got a good template to then go really deep with those like class momentary conversations. I have been guilty of getting too complicated from the get-go. Like you were saying, where there's like a few words in the question that you're like all of a sudden in front of kids and you're like, oh crap, this doesn't work at all. And then you have to keep doing it for like, Oh, yeah. 10 weeks or whatever. I don't know, forever long. I like to keep it simple and then I can layer in complexity as we go. <gasps> Thank you, my friend. I can just picture your kids getting to the end and be like, okay, so now we have this really solid literary and realistic understanding of both monsters and villains or villains and heroes. And I don't know if I'm going to, yeah, put- probably villains, right? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I think I need to use villains and heroes. I think I want to use the really socially accepted, you know, just like base words, because then 
we can word cloud. We can do like, think yeah. of all the like cool activities we can do that like really bring in a lot. And they'll, they'll be set up to give you some very cool answers about like which one is going to determine the fate of our society. Of all, and of the our coolest part is it can go, the timeline is endless, right? Right. The world perspective is endless. Okay. So here's the thing with the like fairy tales. This is to derail our conversation. Beautiful. The, de- the, the derailing comes with looking at fairy tales from world perspectives. So that's like, just for those of you listening who like are going, oh, this is kind of cool. Like maybe I want to try this out. I like to look at Cinderella and like just about every culture with written literature that we can find like throughout most of the world has a version of Cinderella. So being able to find that and like jigsaw and do all that is a really cool global perspective connection piece where it's like, and then talking about like dreams. Why do we all have the same types of dreams? Blah, 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 blah. That had nothing to do. I mean, it had a little bit to do, but it was like definitely a left turn. <laughs> we can go back well, on course. No, but it does. I think in, in fairy tales <laughs> in general, there, there's a morality question in this essential question. There, there is a good and a bad. There are rules to follow. And there are the people who set up the rules and determine what's good and determine what's bad. And all of those things factor into the fall of a hero, the rise of a villain. So, I mean, it's, it's all there. And like the opportunity to kind of walk your students into these different zones is available when you're ready to get there, when the kids are ready to get there. Right. I think the morality behind fairy tales and the way that they're used to teach children across the globe is fascinatingly different culture to culture, Yeah, um, but they're, they're all used in a different way. And I think that that is a, to create a more just world. And there's a but cool, like Disney deep dive we can do there. That, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm going to be using some Joseph Campbell as like a, Let's look at this is a theory, right? Like this is a way to look at like the literary breakdown. And then we can just go, we're going to look at cancel culture. We're going to look at villainizing people that we once, bro, I am so excited. This is a lot. This all of a sudden became a lot in a good way. In a very good way. Yes. There's a lot in your pocket. You know, you don't have to do all the things, but you can. I actually feel a lot calmer. Sometimes when we come up with plans like this together, I get all like hyper chihuahua, like freaking out. I actually feel a lot calmer because this has a plan and a path and I can just pick and choose what I need to use and throw away what doesn't work. And you're into it. And I'm into it. Super into it, man. Isn't that, <sighs> I think that's the number one takeaway that we, we want all of our curriculum rehab students to have, all of our listeners to have is this is not supposed to be another layer of work. This is the brain work you do to, to make the course so exciting to teach. Even if you don't have the perfect lesson plan, you have an amazing essential question. So even if you just kick back and check in on your EQ at one day in the middle of a semester, because you got nothing else planned, where does that conversation go? I mean, the thread still pulls through. Yeah, totally. So one little note, we've been talking a lot lately in this latest season. This is like episode three of our third season to and about new teachers. So if you are new and you're listening to this right now, I'm going into my 15th year of teaching. And I mean, I need help too, right? So just remember, I am not stop it. That's just a mean thing to say. Um, but right behind you, I know you're not that far behind me. Like it's, it's okay. 
to like stumble around a little bit and then for things to be unfinished. I'm not going to finish this unit today. I got other stuff I got to do. I'm not necessarily going to finish this unit, this course. I'm not going to finish this course before I start teaching it because that's not how the world works for me. It might be for somebody else, but we all do things differently and it definitely takes a village and we're here for you. Thank you so much. This was awesome. I hope that this episode reaches those who need to hear it. So if you are listening and you're like, dang, that was inspiring. Or like, hey, I just got ideas on how to figure this out together. Share this with your teaching friends. Share this, like, you know, push pedal this episode around friends and reach out to us on social media if you have something to add. Or if you want to hear more of these. I mean, if you want us to do more EQ workshops, we'd love to hear that from you. And just kind of, you know, whether it's an email or in a review or in a DM, let us know that you want to hear more or you want to hear something else. We'd love to be adaptable to what you guys need this school year. Absolutely. And friends, yeah, if Amanda said it for a second, if you have a moment, will you pause and give us a rating and review on iTunes? It helps others find our podcast and become part of the Brave New Teaching community. Um, we have fun stuff. Head to bravenewteaching.com. We've got a lot of fun goodies for you. We've got a whole formative assessments free masterclass you can take a look at anytime. We have got a bunch of freebies from our different episodes. We have got a bunch of stuff for new teachers. We've got a like a whole new teacher month-long planner that's completely editable that helps you prioritize. And it really works for veteran teachers as well. We've got some things for work-life balance, a whole like lesson that comes out of our mentorship program for new teachers that anybody can access and it's there. And because uh, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys for coming around for listening to us today. Yeah, we will be back. Same bat time, same bat channel, same bat podcast next week. Until we meet again, friends. Bye. Bye.